You're listening to Alicast, a deep dive into innovative and emerging trends in e-commerce, online payments, and digital entertainment. I'm Ali Zillers, Managing Editor, Alison Tudor-Ackroyd. In this episode of Alicast, we're joined by WPP's David Roth to talk about the latest e-commerce trends in China, the world's second largest retail market. A little bit about David before we get going. There are few who would question our guests' unparalleled expertise in brands and retail. Apart from all the executive hats that David wears at WPP and BAV, he's also an author and a documentary maker. His latest book, Brand Stories from Brand Champions, celebrates the enduring power of iconic brands. David has lived in Shanghai and worked with many Chinese brands over the years. So I, for one, am looking forward to hearing his insights on the market. David, thank you very much for joining us on Alicast. Well, thank you very much indeed for having me. It's a great privilege. Looking forward to this conversation. David, as we talk, the world's largest retail event is underway, the 11.11 Global Shopping Festival, also known as Double Eleven or Singles Day in China. More than 290,000 brands are participating in the event globally. What has caught your eye about this year's event? Anything new, interesting? You sort of said it all in the introduction, you know, 290,000 brands. I mean, that's quite astonishing just in terms of the breadth and also the depth of brands who believe that participating in 11.11 is something that's good for them and good for their consumers. I think the thing that really has struck me this year probably more than most years, is just the accelerator that's going on in terms of innovation that we're seeing in terms of products themselves, um, but not just the products, just the way in which they're being communicated and the different technology platforms and ways of being able to communicate this year above other years. So I think one of the things that's always intrigued me about 11.11, and that intrigue grows from year to year, is the newness that we see in China, the innovations that people are prepared to test out and try out, and then how quickly some of those innovations then get adopted right across the world. And if you really want to see what the future of technology, of retail, of the combination between on and offline is, then China is the place to have a look now. Well, you're right. Brands so often talk to us about having boots on the ground in China and taking note of what they see in the market and then deploying it back home. Could you tell us a little bit more about that tech innovation that you're seeing in China? What's happening now? I think maybe a little bit of context, because maybe even seven or eight years ago, if uh, somebody asked you where to go uh, to see the latest sort of retail and tech innovations, you'd say, well, go to New York and then go to Atlanta, then go to Silicon Valley, and you'll come back with a pretty good perspective. I think now you have to say you need to investigate China. But I think there are probably three things that drive the innovation that I see in China. The first is a really good understanding of the fact that what happens online and what happens offline are not two parallel tracks. You know, they are intrinsically related to each other. That's the first thing. The second thing is, I suppose, the extent to which the Chinese consumers are the most connected and the most digital of any consumers across the world. And the third thing is the work that's been done by Alibaba and others 
in ensuring that the entire supply chain is being digitized, which then enables interesting technologies and marketing solutions to enable a much tighter integration right across that supply chain and creating consumer propositions that frankly would be absolutely impossible to do if that digital data across that supply chain was unavailable. It's clear you've been a China watcher for many years now, and this is already the 14th year since Alibaba created 11.11. It's not where those 14 years have gone to, really. <laughs> it's great to get that arc of how China is evolving, but also shopping festivals are evolving as well. And we're seeing a greater focus on loyalty, memberships, Wondering if you're also noting that kind of development? Yeah, you know, one of the things that still fascinates me about China is just, and I call it China speed, is how quickly things change and develop. I used to say China speed was about 20 times faster than anywhere else in the world. I've probably increased that estimate uh, to say 50 times faster than anywhere in the world. And when you look at the evolution of 11.11, you see the speed in action. Of course, you know, when 11.11 was started, it was very much, you know, centric around discounts, and especially the last couple of years, and this year now in particular, that 11.11 has radically transformed. It's a place and a time when many brands, from multinational huge brands to small brands, launch new products. Maybe six months before 11.11, they're working with great innovation centers like the Alibaba Innovation Center to get and understand consumer trends, to test and trial out new products to be able to launch them on 11.11. And I think this next era of transformation, and we're seeing how 11.11 is now being used as a way of rewarding customer loyalty and creating customer loyalty. One that comes to mind is Black Friday in the States, although Black Friday is, is traveling around the world in the same way as 11.11 is. But that really hasn't changed since God was a boy. You know, many companies view Black Friday as a way of discounting heavily and getting shot of products that they might have had in their stock rooms for, you know, they might have sung happy birthday to that stock for a couple of years. 11.11 has an amazing energy to it and an excitement. And I know it's referred to as a festival. But it is a festival, whereas shopping sales around the world have never managed to create, maintain, and drive at the level of excitement and interest that Alibaba has managed to do with 11.11 in China. Quite right. And as one brand put it to me, it's not the sugar rush of an 11.11 one-off event. It's building that awareness and brand loyalty that travels throughout the year and engaging consumers throughout the year. So I think also you need to think about it in terms of it's the start of the process as opposed to the end of the process. And I think if you view it in that terms, it gives you a much better strategic outlook as to how 11.11 contributes to growing your brand, clearly generating sales at a very important time, but also creating a springboard for the brand's strategic and tactical activity then right across the year. Switching gears a little bit, but sticking with retail and brands, WPP recently released its Best Countries report. Tell us, why do you rank countries? Uh, yes, only a, a month or so ago, we launched the WPP BAV Best Countries study for 2022. We've been ranking, exploring, 
brands for many, many years. But also, I think there is an appreciation that countries are also perceived both inside the country, so citizens within the country and consumers right across the world, are also now viewing countries very much in the way in which, in the same ways, they have historically viewed brands. So it becomes very important, really, to understand how a country is seen inside looking out and outside looking in. Could you share a little bit more about the methodology? As a journalist, I love to dig into the sample sets and understand the credibility of the survey. We survey right across the world, thousands upon thousands of people, and we segment those into three sort of areas. The first is business decision makers, then what we call people who are engaged within sort of the understanding which the country operates, and then what we would say was the general sort of population. This year, uh, in 2022, we have studied 85 individual countries looking at uh, 73 descriptive sort of attributes in terms of how those three groups view their countries and other countries around the world. Awesome. Turning back to China, as we tend to do on Alicast, uh, China ranks high in your survey for innovation and entrepreneurialism. Why is that? I think it's really intriguing to look at so it's what we define as those 10 core attributes that drive GDP growth. As you rightly point out, China is seen out of those 85 countries as the number five country for entrepreneurship, and the number six country for movers, which is, you know, countries that are growing, developing. I think that the reason for that is the amazing amount now of innovation that we're seeing coming out of China. And I think nations go through a way in which they grow and which they develop. It wasn't that long ago that Japan wasn't seen as being particularly good for product quality. And clearly that has been revolutionized over the last 30 years. It wasn't that long ago where products from Korea also weren't seen as particularly new, innovative. You know, They were sort of fast followers, I suppose, uh, not seen as particularly stylish in terms of design, but those brands in Korea spent a lot of time, effort and resource developing that. You know, that might have taken a 20-year process. In China, we've seen China go from a manufacturing country in a very quick and fast way to being seen also as a country that innovates, that has good engineering skills, good design skills. And that's now being seen and reflected across the world, hence the relationship both between sort of movers and also entrepreneurship. Thank you. So how can China's homegrown brands use this information? couple of important ways. One of them is to know and to understand how your country is seen is really important. 78% of people around the world say that the country a product is made in impacts my preference to purchase it. One of the really intriguing ways that we also look at the data is to have a look at which product categories, which sectors, consumers in various different countries have a preference to buy those products from other countries. So this is also important for both brands in China to understand where across the world the products that they make are best suited for and best received, but also for brands thinking of selling to China or developing China as an important market in their export strategy to understand the appeal of products in particular sectors to Chinese consumers. If you have a look at the beer market, 
Germany is number one for Chinese consumers. France is number two. Italy is number three. If you look at the clothing market, French fashion is seen in China as being the number one country in terms of appeal as well. So it's really important to get into understand that because it starts to help you define what your external development export strategy is and what you can do on the import side as well. Before we sign off, I'd love to hear any tips for brands to improve their rankings in next year's report. We look at brands across China and how they're perceived, Chinese brands and foreign brands as well, obviously now with best countries. We also look at how the country is seen. I think to me there are three sort of standout things that that brands can do. The first of all is continue to innovate. And this is especially true in China because the Chinese consumers have historically and still do a great propensity for newness and experimenting. So it's very important to be able to continue to innovate in terms of products, marketing, product proposition to the consumer. The second clearly is awareness. And uh, there's one thing to make your product available clearly on an Alibaba platform or in other ways within China. Uh, But that's just the beginning of the story because the Chinese consumers are thirsty for knowledge about brands, not just the fact that they are available. So it's very important to create and maintain awareness. And within the context of maintaining and creating that awareness of creating content because one of the things that platforms are voracious at is the use of content and the importance of refreshing that content as frequently as possible and then the third thing is differentiation and i can't overestimate that uh, enough again it's one thing to be in china there's one thing to be known in china but you need a differentiated position so that Chinese consumers can understand what is different about you. It might be your environmental credentials. It could be the efficacy of the product. It could be you know who uses that product. But it's really, really important to make sure that that differentiation is relevant and that differentiation is continuously communicated. And if you do all of those combinations of things, your chance for success in China is significantly greater. Totally agree. I mean, those digitally native Chinese consumers are voracious in terms of reading and researching online, and they want to know and get to know and understand products, product stories, and their sustainability history. The list goes on. So one of the things we've discovered in this year's Best Country Study is just the really, really high levels of Chinese consumers who say that they prefer now to purchase products from companies and organizations that help reduce their impact on the environment. So as you say, Chinese consumers will spend the time, effort in order to do their research. And if you have a fantastic story, which is borne out in fact about how your product helps reduce the impact across the environment, that is one of the key things now that Chinese consumers are looking for. As content creators ourselves, music to our ears. (laughs) Thank you so much, David. Great to hear your insights. Much, much appreciated. It's a pleasure. Thanks very much indeed for inviting me. And thank you everybody for tuning in to Alicast. If you liked what you heard, please search Alicast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and hit follow. Alicast is produced and edited by Yashan Zhao. 
At Alizilla, we seek to keep you abreast of the innovative and emerging trends in e-commerce. Thank you and goodbye for now.